It's said that your real life begins where your comfort zone ends. Well, it's about to get real as we have radically authentic conversations to help you thrive in your personal and professional life while navigating the twists and turns of being human. Buckle up, because this might get uncomfortable. Starts right now with Jason Robel and Whitney Lordson. You ready for this discussion? I don't know what if I'm ready for anything anymore. I'm just, I say yes to things and figure it out once I get in. So ready, what is ready anyway? I suppose I'm ready, yeah. Fair enough. I suppose I am, because it's happening. So that must mean I'm ready on some level. Very very fair. (laughs) If I was like, I'm not, bye. And that podcast went south really quick. After all this time we spent getting prepared for it. Well, Today's topic for those listening is. Well, is it going to be one singular thing or is it going to be? I mean, listen, none of our episodes are one singular thing, are they? That's true. That's true. So the starting point, perhaps, and the theme, the premise is, Jason. Well, I had a recent journey with uh, ayahuasca for the first time, which was a decision to see how it would affect my mental and emotional health in particular for the listeners who have been up on our podcast or paying attention to some of the things that we share on social media on the Wellevator accounts or even my personal account know that I've had my challenges dancing with mental health issues for the past five years plus and that five years ago I was diagnosed with clinical depression and had a lot of suicidal ideation and the last over five years now have been dedicating a lot of time to not only researching how different plant medicines can affect my mental health and emotional health, but through those experiments, doing my best to disseminate that information and share resources and knowledge with people who might also be struggling with that. Because I I think that this conversation about mental health and emotional health is becoming more mainstream, which is great. And I also think that there's a lot more room for us to share holistic ideas, solutions from different healing modalities to plant medicines to nutritional therapies. I was actually researching recently that nutritional psychology is becoming a thing now. It's actually a branch of medicine Mm. that people have a background in psychotherapy or psychology, and they're combining that with a nutrition background. That's cool. So that's kind of at the forefront. And I, I feel, speaking of things that are at the forefront, that a lot of ancient medicines, be they Chinese medicine or Ayurveda or these more psychedelic plant medicines that we have a symbiotic relationship with, well, certainly a lot of things on this planet, but I do believe plants are here to heal us, to teach us, to nourish us. And I'm, I'm excited just because as someone who loves plants and is fascinated by their healing properties to have experienced what I had just experienced a week ago, I'm still unpacking it. I'm still decoding it. I'm still sitting with it. I'm still... You well, know, first, let's it's backtrack. A it's a lot. So explain what ayahuasca is. What's your definition of ayahuasca? So it's a vine that is native to South America. And they take this extremely fibrous vine and they basically pulverize the vine to the point where they can make it into a brew, into a liquid concoction where they reduce it and reduce it and reduce Who's it. Who's they? Uh, shamans. The shamans okay. who would prepare the ayahuasca for ceremony. And they've been doing ayahuasca in Peru and other South American countries for many, many, many generations. A lot of the shamans and ayahuascaros and people who are- Ayahuascaros? Yeah. That's a term? Yeah. Facilitating or experiencing these things. There are actually certain, I suppose, nations that they acknowledge that ayahuasca is part of a religious ceremony. So it's something that is not new. I mean, certainly in the mainstream lexicon, if we look at how a lot of people have been experimenting with psychedelic plant medicines for mental and emotional healing. You know, we can look back to the 60s to Timothy Leary and Richard Alpert, who's also known as Ramdas, and they were doing a lot of stuff with LSD, which is made from the ergot fungus. Hmm. So even LSD has a natural origin of a fungus. Well, most things have a natural or 
origin, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, I mean, some things are just closer or more, say, unprocessed than others. Right. Where, you know, all yeah. of our pharmaceutical drugs, for the most part, have a synthesis that they d- were derived from a natural origin. They've mm-hmm. just been chemically processed or th- synthesized or created into a more complex chemical structure. But isn't it kind of funny to pause for a moment how yeah. a lot of people, at least in the US, this Western mentality that we have seem to be very skeptical of Eastern so-called modalities, which is usually herbal, Yep. right? We associate herbal remedies with more of an Eastern perspective, mm-hmm. which is also interesting because I don't know if we can necessarily call it Eastern anymore because plenty of, of places all around the world are utilizing more natural, unprocessed plant remedies and from herbs, for example. It's also interesting that we call it Eastern when in the United States, it feels like it's more of a a Western U.S. mentality, Mm -hmm. and yet it's still associated with Eastern in terms of a global perspective. But to me, what's fascinating is that so many people seem skeptical of simplicity, and they would rather something complicated. But yet, for both of us, Jason and I, we are really big believers in being as simple as possible, because a lot of times that is all you need. And sometimes the simpler things have the most powerful effect. Agreed. Agreed. So that's also a big theme. You have a lot of knowledge about ayahuasca. And I'm curious, did you brush up on that knowledge before partaking in the ceremony? Is this something that you've known of for a while? Is this something that you've been thinking of doing for a long time? And, And where did that inspiration to do it come from? I first heard about ayahuasca in... 2008 actually and it seems like back in 2008 even in the holistic wellness circles and the the circles we've run in for more than a decade there weren't a lot of people talking about it or even doing it so i had a couple friends in detroit actually who had experienced a ceremony and i was like what what is this you know and and to that point i had journeyed and experimented with other plant medicines So I was very curious because I've always found that when I've done psychedelics, I've had really profound revelations, whether or not it was during the journey or post-journey. There's always been some element of like, oh, I needed to see that. Something I needed to be shown, something that needed to be relayed to me with clarity and love. So when I first heard about it in 08, it was like, oh, okay, what are, you know, what are Greg and Angela all about? And they were telling me about it and I was fascinated by it. Greg and Angela are your friends that did it? In Detroit, yeah. Okay. And so it's been on my radar for, you know, more than a decade. And certainly in the last 10 years plus, there's been a momentum now, I feel, especially here in California where we're at, where it, I wouldn't say it's ubiquitous, but it's definitely kind of a thing where it's like, oh, I did ayahuasca. Okay. It's, it's, it's not very strange if you hear someone say it. Not at all. Words. Not at all. And you hear about, you know, Joe Rogan talking about it and a lot of the mainstream media discussing it. And I saw a video recently about some soldiers that had severe PTSD that were going down to Peru to do it because of the psycho-spiritual effects of, you know, the violence and the pain and the death they have seen. So Mm. it's certainly something that is not this fringe hippie thing anymore, whereas like regular people who are having mental health struggles or PTSD or depression or suicidal ideation are are doing it. Do you think that it could, I mean, I guess anything's possible, but does it feel like something that could become more mainstream or do you think it's always going to be a bit fringe but maybe more accepted and and wider known i just think it's fascinating and i'm going to go on a political tangent just for a moment because we can it's our podcast the way that the federal government kind of classifies drugs they lump things into like schedules like it's a schedule one narcotic it's a schedule two and these are based on degrees of severity that the government deigns how severe these drugs are the u.s government the u.s united Mm -hmm. states government And I just find it strange that something like psilocybin, mushrooms, something that grows naturally that people harvest that are completely unprocessed, they just dry the mushrooms and you eat them. Or something, to this point, of course, we've seen a lot of reform with marijuana and cannabis. But things like ayahuasca, things like iboga, which is a bark that is native to parts of Africa, the Bwiti tribe in Africa have been using it for generations similarly to ayahuasca in terms of psycho-spiritual healing and what's the like frog oh that's combo okay and what is that exactly that's a it's a frog venom that induces a a profound detoxification in the body would you classify that in the same kind of care 
I've, category. It's interesting. I haven't looked at the schedules in terms of what the U.S. government classifies in these drugs, but last time I checked, combo was not on their radar. But because it's super fringe. Yeah, and I, I think my point with all this is to put something like heroin or crystal meth or cocaine in the same generalized category as medicinal mushrooms or ayahuasca or iboga or things that are like pure plant medicine there's a fallacy here and it's not correct because you know certainly something like cocaine or heroin is not inducing the same kind of psycho-spiritual potential for healing in the body that these other plant medicines do so i think there's a lot of reform there's actually a great organization that's based out of northern california called maps maps and they're all about political and social reform for showing the power of ayahuasca, mushrooms, LSD, MDMA, iboga for healing, like I said, depression, PTSD, schizophrenia, like certain severe mental disorders. And there's actually a lot of clinical research going on right now, again, with LSD and with MDMA, also known as you know ecstasy E. But these things, when clinically measured in studies, I mean, some of the stuff out there, we can link to it in the show notes, uh, at wellevator.com, W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com. It's, I'm heartened by the fact that mainstream researchers and scientists are revisiting this idea that, hey, again, this isn't cocaine or heroin or crystal meth. Like These plants are relaying wisdom and messages and healing potential to the human psyche and the human body. And is there a way to prove that that's what's happening because one thing i've never done ayahuasca and i actually believe in it from what i've heard from jason which just a little background i asked him to save a lot of his reflections and stories for this podcast so a lot of what you're hearing as a listener is what i'm hearing from the very first time as jason's best friend and i've heard a lot i know a number of people who have done it mm-hmm and I believe in it, but I wonder almost with things like this, is it possible there's a bit of a placebo effect based on our expectations of what's going to happen? And I just wonder if that ties into any misconceptions, right? Is, is we hear a lot of stories about what other people have experienced and what the potential is. And I think there's also a high chance of maybe somebody abusing it and like ayahuasca, for example, I know for you, Jason, if I recall correctly, you've been hesitant to do ayahuasca because you wanted to do it at the right place with the right people. And so I'd be curious to hear how you made this decision to do it because it does feel a little bit kind of trendy. This might not be the right word, mm-hmm. but we're in Los Angeles, which is a, a city based on trends or a city that tends to start a lot of trends, right? Especially in the wellness field, Yeah, especially wellness. And so it's very possible in a lot of cases that when something seems appealing, there's an opportunity to make money from it. There's an opportunity to exploit something. There's an opportunity to, and we see this a lot in the wellness industry. Jason and I talk about this frequently, how kind of people will just take information and repurpose it and they don't actually have a lot of knowledge or experience in it, but they see an opportunity to position themselves as experts or to make money from something. And so it's it's a really fine line. And there's a lot of room for this kind of gray area and not knowing whether something is true or not, right? right? Right. So I'd love to know how you made the decision to do it in Los Angeles versus to go to, is Peru kind of the main hub for ayahuasca? Yeah. I mean, Costa Rica, there are actual clinical retreats with medical doctors on staff and there's one called rhythmia in costa rica Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so it's not becoming like bougie or posh per se but it's becoming where there are you know professional businesses that are running these things where to their credit they're taking a lot of care in making sure that people feel safe during the experience so yeah it seems to me like from what i've heard like you know peru and costa rica are kind of the hubs of where most people will go to experience this. And I'm sure there too, it can become almost like a tourist experience, just like anything else. It's like, come to Peru and do ayahuasca. And it, maybe it's it's used as a way to attract people to Peru, for example, to boost the tourism or something. Like mm-hmm. It's fascinating in general. I mean, you can see this with anything. Like We see nature being exploited a lot for tourism. And we see medicine being exploited for money. So... 
How did you decide that this was the right place and the right time for yourself? Well, I had this idea in my head that it was like, I have an old friend who is a facilitator of this experience who I was pretty clear that I wanted my first time to be with her. But she's relocating to a different country and that's kind of in flux. And, and also the price point of that experience was not something that I wanted to invest in, in terms of you know going to a different country, taking a week off of life and work. And, and I may do that someday. But it seemed to me that the confluence of events that kind of played themselves out was very interesting because the first half of this year, 2019, when we were recording this, was really hard. Um, For you. Yeah, it was a lot of old, painful stuff coming up mentally, suicidal thoughts again, just feeling really depressed. And part of it was just you know, the economic downturn in, in my business at the beginning of the year and, you know, losing a certain contract. And it was just your business, meaning Jason Robel. Correct. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so it was just this thing of I felt like the herbs I was doing and the yoga and the meditation kind of like, I don't know, I feel like with my sort of mental care regime, it kind of got rote to a degree. It was like, yeah, I'm doing my meditation, doing my yoga, doing my supplements, da, da, da. But the body, like anything, it, it adjusts to things. And I kind of felt like the protocols that I had been doing for my mental health weren't really as potent or effective as, as I would hope they would have continued to be. And so I actually started, I started taking lithium in the summertime. And the lithium was kind of working. I could feel a little bit of a difference. But I mean, I remember being on the phone with my mom a few months ago, like I just so frustrated with my state of being that none of these things seem to be giving me the sort of boost or potency that I needed to adjust my brain chemistry. And a good friend of ours had this opportunity to say, Hey, you know, I think this is the right person. The shaman's great. I think this container is good. It's safe. She had done it and invited me. And I just felt like it was, yeah, the confluence of my frustration with all of the holistic remedies, not feeling as potent someone I trust and love, someone you and I are very close to, extending that offer to join you her. You and I meaning Whitney me, and yeah. me and Whitney, thank you. <laughs> yeah. um, and so it was just, I think it was a timing thing and it was being invited by the right person because I had been invited to a lot of ceremonies over the years. Ayahuasca ceremonies. Yeah, many, many, many. Like, hey, come to Vegas and do it, come to Ojai and do it, come to Malibu and do it. I think and Am I correct in remembering that you almost did it in Vegas correct. one time? Yeah, this was about three years ago, four right. years ago. And I just, I tapped into the energy of who was sending me the invitation. And it was like, it's not, this isn't something about it ain't right. Like mm -hmm. I just listened to my intuition. With this experience, when the invitation came along, there was no red flag or nothing in my intuition that said, don't do this. Mm-hmm. There was a part of me that said, well, you said you were going to do this and go to Peru and do it with your friend who's da, da da But it was like, you know what? This feels like the right timing. It's been on your radar for 11 years, literally. Just go do it. So I did one night. Versus? Uh, well, this, the availability was two nights. You could do two nights. Now, I, I know that there are other facilities like Rhythmia, Costa Rica, et cetera, that you can go for multiple, multiple, multiple days. Explain it. Break it down for people that don't know anything about ayahuasca. Okay, so. What are the nights and the days? How does that work? What do you do? Yeah, so, I mean, I can't speak for other experiences. I can only speak from what I experienced, right? Mm -hmm. So with this, I arrived at about uh, 5 p.m. on a Saturday afternoon and was just integrating into the space. It was, it was a really beautiful house in Hollywood. There were, it was a small group, probably uh, maybe 15 people tops, you know, very small, curated. And maybe paint a picture of Hollywood because <laughs> I think anybody who's who has not had a lot of experience in LA has a vision of what Hollywood is. Yeah. Can you explain, like, because there are different parts of Hollywood? Yeah. This for was those in, that aren't this, familiar, this was in the Hollywood Hills, so it was it was a, a modern house. It was a newer house, probably built in the last ten years. Very, very clean, very open, beautiful open spaces, beautiful views of nature, surrounded by trees, very serene. So it was just a modern, clean, beautiful house. Mm. And it just felt very safe. It was a lot of white and very a lot of sunlight coming through, a lot of light. And I immediately felt pretty comfortable when I walked in. And did it feel, I think a lot of people when they think of ayahuasca, for me actually, when I think of ayahuasca, I have a vague vision of some of these houses where it happens because mm -hmm. 
I remember one of our friends, Jason and our friends, did it in Vegas, and she was telling us about that. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. That, was, that was a female friend of ours, right? Yeah. I remember hearing a story, and I feel like a male friend of ours also did it in Vegas. Yes. And then, I don't know that much about Vegas, but outside of the the, <laughs> the strip, right? But who knows what that environment was like. But I still ex- imagined it being like a really fancy house, like you're describing. Mm-hmm. But a lot of what I know of ayahuasca, maybe other people may have seen videos of it, as I picture it out in like the jungle or something, like, yeah. you know, whether it's Costa Rica or Peru, I picture like people are in a hut. I think I watched a documentary on it once yes. and they were in a hut in yes. a circle. So it's interesting to me that hut and jungle experience feels like what I imagined ayahuasca is. And then there's like this other world of people doing it in big cities and renting these fancy homes. So how did you feel going into a home versus the more like natural jungle type of environment that you could have chosen instead? Did it feel like you were doing something? It's kind of hard to describe what my question is, but I'm just kind of like thinking how there's two different ways that you could approach ayahuasca. Mm -hmm. It's like, like you were saying, kind of the bougie version, which is to me, when you're describing this, that's what I'm imagining. It's like the higher end people that have money and are. I know that you had to dress all in white to go to the ceremony. So there's like all these rules versus like if you go to the jungle, it almost feels like more like rooted and old and traditional. Did it still have those feelings even if you were in this house? Did it feel like you were in like some sacred ceremony? Did it feel like you're like hanging out with a bunch of people and doing some healing both together. It felt like both. Hmm. I think that my ideal situation certainly would have be like in the, in the middle of the rainforest. You Why? Know, like connected. Because I think that perhaps the energies would be enhanced or amplified in a different way by literally being in the middle of nature doing it. Right. So I'm curious to do it in that setting to compare how the medicine affects me. Because to your point, I, I think certainly like one in the past when I've done, say, psychedelic mushroom psilocybin, when I've been in nature, the effect has been vastly different than, say, if I'm indoors. So I think that nature, the communion, the energy, the relationship we have with nature, there is a spirit and a connection and an enhancement of experience when we are in nature doing anything. And I would probably think that with an entheogen, a psychedelic medicine, that would be enhanced, yes. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't feeling like I was lacking anything per se, but to your point, I would like to experience it in sort of the birthplace of it, right? Where it's been done for literally generations and generations, and you know the shamans there have been—it's been passed down through the lineage. I mean, I, I think that there's a different and describe potential. that to me as well, because when I think of a shaman, I think of like this elderly person mm-hmm. who, yeah, it's maybe a, their whole family has been doing it, or maybe they. They have to go and and practice with a really wise shaman. And I I just kind of picture it, someone that might not even speak English, right? Like they're this like wise native person. I mean, native to to me in America, whatever that may mean. That's kind of like how I've always pictured ayahuasca. And again, as we're talking about this, I'm thinking of another example of someone I know that did it in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. And I remember hearing about their experience and thinking like it almost didn't seem like that big of a deal and i'm wondering for you too is i know that you jason had this transformational experience which you're going to talk about but you also just kind of like left your house for a day did it and went home versus when you go to costa rica or peru it's like this whole adventure this whole journey Mm -hmm. that you go on and you're going to the jungle and you're you know it it takes so much and whether that's so much in terms of time and money and, and effort versus I think a lot of these city ayahuasca experiences feel almost effortless. It's like, oh, yeah, I, I take a, you know, a 24-hour period and I go to this house and everything's set up for me. And it's almost like it's so easy. I wonder, is it as effective as going to the jungle? And, and neither one of us can really answer that because neither one of us have been to the jungle, so we don't have any place of comparison. But I did that come up for you at all? Like this almost seems too easy and convenient. It didn't because the experience I had was very, very, very intense. 
Do you think it would have been more intense in the jungle or you have no idea? Potentially. I don't know. Because here's the thing about ayahuasca. It's not about the setting and the shaman, the facilitators. Well, that's not what I was going to say. What I was going to say is it's not a... Hmm. How do I say this? It's not a... It's not a consistent effect on people across the board. And here's mm-hmm. what I mean by that. Mm-hmm. Like when I did it, and I'll get into deeper what I experienced, you know, I took two shots of the medicine, you know, two vials of ayahuasca. Some Don't people, they tell you how much to take, yes. right? Now, some people take two, didn't feel anything. Take three, didn't feel anything. Take four, didn't feel. Some people would have, say, double the dose that I had. And I was, <laughs> I mean, I was in another reality. And there, they, it doesn't hit them at all. So there's not a standardized experience in terms of what one is going to see, what one's going to feel, what a person is going to intuit in terms of wisdom or healing. And some people have an experience of dying or being reborn. It's so visceral and intense and insane. And some people literally feel nothing. And then yeah. the next journey, they'll feel something completely different. Right. So it's not a consistent, measurable response, say, like, you know, if I do whatever, if I do, you know, a certain amount of cocaine and we do a control group, okay, like you're probably going to see a consistent response physiologically between people. Like, really? Yeah. It, it's, Why? It's, Why would doing cocaine or another drug be any different than- Because they don't affect you on a psycho-spiritual level like hallucinogens and entheogens mm. do. So then maybe you could compare it more to psilocybin. Yeah, where, I mean, same thing, like last time I did- mushrooms you know there was a group of us doing it and everyone's having a different experience mm-hmm. and it's all about your chemistry and you know well just your how trauma you're your chemistry your history your dna i mean that's we can't fully Place explain it we yeah. can't fully explain it yet but it is interesting because now i'm thinking the more we talk the more i think of people i know that have done ayahuasca it's mm-hmm. kind of funny yeah there's another person i remember her saying that she did it out in palm springs or palm desert mm-hmm. and said she didn't feel anything yeah and then we have another friend who did it at the same place as you did it and she said she didn't throw up whereas some people it's very common for people to throw up did you throw up i didn't but other things happened physiologically really like hmm, okay I'm so excited. I feel like I'm jumping all over the place. So let's go back to okay. <laughs> let's go back to painting the picture. So you show up at this house. It's all like clean, white, bright. Mm-hmm. You're wearing white. Everybody there is wearing white. Mm-hmm. You had just done something called a dieta. Well, I did right? two things. I did a dieta, which is preparing dieta. the mind and the body for receiving the medicine. So it's no tobacco, no drugs, no alcohol, no caffeine, no meat, no dairy, no refined sugar. No masturbation, no sex. Like it's just basically like cleansing the vessel to receive the medicine is mm-hmm. the the purpose of the dieta, the mm-hmm. diet they call it. And for how long? Ten days. Um, now, also in the middle of that dieta, I went and got a colonic. I did colonic hydrotherapy because I wanted to be like, I wanted to be super clean. And so, for what reason do you want to be quote unquote clean? Because I I have heard that if someone is say particularly toxic if they've been eating a lot of meat or alcohol, caffeine, dairy, sugar, the whole thing, that the medicine has the potentiation to react with sort of that mm, acidic, toxic type of food, and you can potentially have a very, very violent cleansing reaction. Or could it potentially not work as well because there's you have stuff blocking it? It can't go- Possibly. Can like get into you as as much possibly, yeah. or perhaps that could lead to things like throwing up and other reactions that yeah. might be unpleasant. Is yeah, that kind of the I, purpose. Yeah, I wanted to just be as clean as possible, so that like, I don't know. In, in my mind, it was like between the dieta and between the colonic, it was it was just an idea of I want to be in as open and receptive of a physiological and emotional place to receive whatever's going to happen. And I had no idea what was going to happen, but in my mind. I thought, why not be as clean as possible? And for you, you already eat a plant-based diet. 21 years. And you don't really drink caffeine that much. You have it lightly. You're not like a coffee lover like me. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And you don't drink alcohol. You don't really do other drugs. Like, I mean, aside from things like masturbation. (laughs) That was a tough one. That was a tough one. That was, not gonna lie. was 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 it hard for you 
to abstain from all those things. Like for you, even I feel like a lot of our listeners are are similar to us, or at least you know dabbled in in similar diets and and lifestyle as us. So, did you find the dieta hard? There were aspects of it. Here's what I found hard about it. There's a part of me that was things were coming up inside of me of like, just let me have a vice. Come on. Mm. I don't drink. I don't eat meat. I don't do dairy. I barely drink caffeine. I don't, I don't, not a drug user. Like I take damn good care of myself. And so like the resistance that was coming up in me was just like, oh, I can't jerk off too. Great. Thanks. <laughs> you know, it was this thing of God almighty. I just needed, but I realized though that all of those things to a degree affect our life force energy, which mm-hmm. is also known as chi or prana, right? Chi in Chinese medicine, prana in the Ayurvedic system. But a lot of these things, you know, sex, masturbation, sugar, alcohol, caffeine, meat, dairy, heavy foods, often are used as sort of an emotional escape. Like yes. people use these things to numb themselves, to distract themselves, to dull their life force, truly. Mm-hmm. So the purpose of the dieta, as far as I knew, was we want to make sure that your life force energy, your chi, your prana, whatever you want to call it, is open and free and flowing mm-hmm. and not being dulled down by any of these substances. And it gave me perspective on, you know, our culture is dominated by the glamorization of sex and pornography and caffeine and alcohol and cigarettes and drugs and sex, drugs and rock and roll and party like a rock star. And like, this is such a huge part of American Western culture. It still is. Mm-hmm. You just well, look at social it, media. It's, it taps it's into our primal need for pleasure. Absolutely. Right. Our primal need to feel good, have just a easy life. And so I think that one of the whole reasons that we called this podcast, this might get uncomfortable is because it can feel uncomfortable to let go of what we perceive as pleasure and our needs for it and our desires for it and abstain from things even temporarily, right? And so, yeah, it is really fascinating. I think anytime you do a cleanse, a detox or whatever, it gives you that perspective on it. And so it felt challenging for you the whole 10 days or is it just like any other cleanse or detox is like a few days of frustration and then like here and there. But I'm sure that you felt really grateful that you had done that. I did. And And prepared for this experience. So you walk in the house, mm -hmm. you've been in the dieta, you're wearing all white. And the purpose of all white was for what? Visual stimulation or something? Yeah, it's just a a visual thing. Or, I mean, if we want to really get geeked out here, like the bio photons and how they affect the body is different depending on the colors you wear. And there's an Mm. energetic vibration depending on the colors. So is it trying to make you neutral? Kind of like or pure, open. Got it. Receptive. And you also did prepare a nest, which was yeah. one of my favorite parts of hearing all these details. So tell us, what is the nest and what did you put in it and what's mm-hmm. the purpose of it? Well, the nest is just to create a, a safe, comforting environment for you as you're going through your journey after you take the medicine. So I got this really wonderful sort of plush camping rollout mattress from the internet that I just knew that if I'm going to be on this thing the entire night processing on this medicine, whatever comes up, I need to be comfortable. So I got. Well, tell like, us what's the purpose of a nest first before you tell us. Yeah, it's just just comfort. It's a place for you to safely process whatever is coming up for you on an emotional or physical or spiritual level when you're on the medicine. So each person has their their nest, which consisted mine consisted of you know this mattress, this really beautiful, thick, like comfortable mattress. I had several blankets, including my favorite blanket right now, which is a. Abuelitas in Mexico, they're paid a fair trade wage for making these like native Mexican blankets. So I brought that. I brought this super fluffy blanket. I brought this beautiful orange like chrysanthemums, like these beautiful flowers that were with me. I brought live and a potted plant. Yeah, correct. Mm-hmm. I brought a lot of water. I brought tissues. I brought a change of clothes. And they give you a list of suggestions correct. ahead of time. Correct. And so yeah. you and you're going- supposed to fast too, by the way. Right. So before, right before the ceremony. Yeah. So, so from noon onward that day, uh, no food afternoon. So for me, visually, you're all on the same floor of the house. Are there different floors and areas? Are there different rooms? Yes. And how many people are in the space? Like, how close are you foot wise? Like, how many um, feet are in between you and the next person's I mean, nest? My some areas of the house were very, very close quarters, like someone's literally right next to you. Okay. I was 
given a spot, which was- You don't get to choose? Well, I did, but the spot I chose was already taken. (laughs) So I got moved to a different spot, but it was brilliant because I could literally outstretch my arms and no one was next to me. And I had, I just had a lot of physical space around me, which felt great. And Mm -hmm. I also was right next to the kitchen, which is one of my happy places. So I Mm -hmm. felt instantly comfortable there. So it all worked out. Who chooses where you go? Is it just like, oh, this spot's taken, but this one isn't? Yeah, or, I mean, like, it, I don't pick know. anything it, else? I other? don't know. It was unclear. I walked in. I didn't know anyone. And it was like, hey, I'm here for the ceremony. Cool. Everyone was very sweet, very open. Like energetically, I already felt at ease. Mm-hmm. But then I, I scoped out this one spot near a window, this open window. And uh, the shaman was like, oh, I'm sorry. That spot's already taken. Someone's claimed it. I said, okay. And then I looked over and saw this spot right next to the kitchen. It was like, ah, that's because that's my spot. And I just, that redirect from life as we get, sometimes we have an idea or an attachment to how we want things to be. But that was an immediate, like within three minutes of walking in the door was like, oh, just trust that if you don't get the thing you thought you wanted, something even better is going to come. That was a major, immediately already getting messages on that. Right. So I set up my, immediately set up my nest, getting comfortable in the space, talking to people, meeting them. And we... We're just hanging out on the deck, taking this beautiful natural scene, and and it was just kind of like a relaxing integration into the group. Now, some of the people, the majority, I would say, had been there from a previous ceremony on Friday night. So I showed up Saturday afternoon, but the majority of people there had already been there for an entire day since Friday. And how many people were there? 15 to 20, maybe, tops. So after the introduction and meeting the shaman and and getting a, a lay of the land of the space, we uh, started a group meditation around uh, 8 o'clock p.m. as the sun was going down, almost down. And the first thing you do is you take a an herbal shot that's an MAO inhibitor. So the enzymes in your digestive tract can, how was it explained to me, can sort of subvert a lot of the acute effects of ayahuasca, but by taking this herbal MAO inhibitor, it actually keeps it open. And those enzymes don't have the effect of dulling the ayahuasca in your body. So you take this MAO inhibitor, which allows your body to fully receive the medicine because the enzymes in your body are not like fighting it away. So we took that and we were just in a sharing circle talking about our experience and why we were there. We got welcomed in as the new people, which was really sweet. And then we took our first dose of the medicine of the ayahuasca. So you're not all in the same room. Yes, So is you there are. like a, oh, you are? Yeah. Well, the, when the beginning of the ceremony, yes. Absolutely. Oh, and then everyone goes to their nest afterwards. Correct. So you're sitting in a circle. So you receive. And is there a shaman like sitting in the, in the middle? He's not in the middle, no, but he's like kind of in the, the position where he can see everyone. He's kind okay. of like at the zero point of the circle, if yep. you will. Yep. So, and he's talking to everyone and, and I already love his energy. Like it's an immediate like. How old is he? Um, he's probably in his, I don't know, late 30s, early 40s, probably around my age, okay. I have to say. Okay. So we take this inhibitor, and then after that, we're discussing in just- Well, there's also a psychologist on staff, correct? Unofficially. And Unofficially. when you come in, do you have to like submit stuff about yourself ahead of time, or do you go in and you tell them about yourself? Because they have to figure out a dose based on like not just your body, but- your mental state, your goals, why you're there. Is that true? Do they kind of evaluate you? To a degree. It's not like official paperwork or whatnot, but you definitely discuss what's going on with you. Privately or in the group? In the group. So in the circle, everyone goes around and says that. Uh And is he like taking notes or like he's just paying attention and then deciding how much you're going to get? Correct. And everybody got different dosage. Is there like a range? You get one. So you t- after you take the inhibitor, you take the first dose of the medicine, the ayahuasca. Everyone at the same time? Yes, correct. Same so, amount everybody gets? Correct. Okay. Yeah. So if I had to guess, it's probably maybe three ounces. Okay. Give or take, like a large shot. Yep. And it, um, the flavor is something to, something to behold. What's the closest you could describe it to? Bitter, earthy sludgy <laughs> sharp it's i i've never yeah it's it's the closest it's, thing uh, with a consistency of maybe like a, th- a liquidy but kind of thick maple syrup i it's huh. 
it's a fascinating fl- i mean and oh. and i didn't like suck but the it. taste is like what could you describe it to well me? that's what i just said it's smoky it's no, bitter like it's a food or something can't nothing no. nothing comes close no so i sat with it and some people were like, like a pill like you know a, it's just ultra bitter and ultra sharp and like earthy and like whoa and i actually rolled it around in my mouth because i wanted to get the flavor profile because some people were like medicine you know they just wanted to get it down as fast as possible and i was like "Mm." you're curious oh i was letting my palate absorb the whole thing so i actually switched it around and let it mix with my amylase my enzymes like getting the flavor because i wanted to be like what is this about it is not something you want to drink leisurely it's not (laughs) It's not like, honey, I got home from a hard day at the office. Could I have a shot of Aya? It's not, you're not pulling up at the liquor bar with this thing. Yeah. So you take the first shot, you wait, and then this is optional. They have a- How long do you wait? Um, I think it was like maybe 30 minutes. I, and what are you doing at that time? Like You're, me- you're meditating. You're just in the circle in with the everybody. Circle. Yep. Okay. And then they're going around, uh, the shaman and uh, his assistants, and they are giving you, if you want to, a dose of hape. And hape is a native-grown tobacco from South America oh, yeah. where the purpose of this hape, they take a device and they blow it up your nostrils. And it burns like a oh. motherfucker for about 20 seconds, 30 oh, seconds. But once you do the level of mental clarity, it's like it's as if you took an energy shot, but you're not buzzy. It's just clear your mind is clear Hmm. so but it hurt that's what i've heard yeah it goes away but after 20 30 seconds no more burn but that initial like half a minute is like this is burning my sinuses like a mofo so it's kind of like when you get a shot and it's like incredibly unpleasant but then it goes away and you forget about it okay so the hape comes with the idea of of clearing the mind right it's like any incessant thoughts any monkey mind chatter the hape is purportedly supposed to just clear your and mind why would you turn it down because you don't want the pain because um, or... some people maybe don't like things being blown up their nostrils <laughs> I, I mean um okay. i did it because i wanted the full experience and then after you get the hape you get uh, i got a second dose of the medicine now i felt intuitively like okay two doses i want to just see where that takes me because you can if you are doing it and doing the medicine at a certain point in the ceremony the shaman will come around, check in with you, and see if you want another dose. For some of those who aren't feeling it, they can opt in for a third dose if he also feels it's appropriate, right? So you so, kind of mutually make a decision correct. about how much you take. It's not like he says, this is how much you're going to take, and, and you you just accept it. You can say yes or no to anything. It's right. Not, it's not, there's nothing But it's for- like you're going there to be guided by someone, so you're probably going to say yes to whatever they suggest, correct? Yeah, and also because there's a lot of trust and the energy there is really open and healing, and I felt very cared for the entire time. And once you get the second dose of the medicine, you get up from the circle, and you go to your nest. And one of the co-facilitators there, the he had... um. He had like a hung drum and a, a frame drum and all of these like native instruments. So as you're doing it, there's all these candles lit, right? There's no other artificial light. It's candles lit. It's nighttime now. And I'm laying down. I'm laying on my back just with my eyes closed meditating. Are you feeling tired? Like what's your body going through at the um, moment? I mean, I'm, I'm nervous, excited. Curious. Okay. I mean, I'm just, okay. Took this medicine. Can still taste it in my mouth. Tastes really bad. Had this tobacco blown up my nose. This is like nothing else. You know, it's like, this is unique. I'm just sitting there like, okay, this is fascinating. So I'm sitting in my comfortable nest. I've got my plant. I've got my water. I've got my stuffed unicorn cat named Huckle that a dear friend gifted me as my my spirit animal, my journey guide through the experience, which it's a whole nother podcast to talk about that. Maybe we'll get to it in this one. But there starts playing this music, right? And as the music's going, and it's it's a very, like, I can feel the vibration of the drums and the music coming up through the floor into my body. and In I can a just, way that you would feel with or without ayahuasca, or this is the medicine starting to work? It's much more sensitive and acute, the way the music is affecting my body. So I close my eyes. My eyes are closed, and I'm, I'm, I roll on my side. And I, if you ask me how much time has passed, I can't even tell you. I was I about to no ask. no idea. <laughs> If I had to guess before the experience fully began, maybe 45 minutes to an hour, maybe. Got it. Music's playing. He's going around with these instruments. 
and at the same time they are playing this this native music i think they call it ikaros over the speaker system like the kind of music i've never really heard before it was very unique and very fascinating and there are these chants in a language i've never heard before and so he's playing the drum all live yeah playing the instruments and then there's the music going through the speakers oh the music's from the speaker that's recorded correct and he's also playing live along with it so there are layers to the musical experience right and it's i'm laying down and it's getting way deeper and way more intense and i'm feeling that the music is getting into my cells like the vibration is coming up through the floor into my body and these voices the are chanting and i've never heard this language before i can i it's not spanish i don't know what it is there are sounds and instruments that i can't my brain is like what is okay just go with it now is that are you saying that that was actually the reality or your brain was hearing it I don't know. So you don't at this point know what's real and what is in your head. Well, I'm pretty sure I have a grip on reality until I don't. <laughs> okay, what is that? Mean? And as I'm going deeper into the music and feeling the rhythm and like I'm okay, cool, cool, cool. Go just go with it. You never heard this language before. You never heard these. It's just cool. Right on. Like I'm a musician, I dig this. And then at a certain point I am not here anymore. I'm not here anymore. My mind's eye, when you have your eyes closed, right? It's like we have this, it's almost like a movie screen, right? It's just a blank screen. When, when, you, when we close our eyes right now, you close your eyes. It's like, oh, okay, I'm looking at the sun. Maybe it's a little bit red. I'm looking over here. It's black. There's maybe some pixelation, some dots, right? It's kind of nothingness to a degree. I hit a level where the best way I can describe this, my first thought was, oh, I'm here again. Now, 10 years ago, I did DMT for the first time. I smoked DMT, which is a very, very quick experience. It's 10 to 15 minutes. Mm. You blast into a different reality and you blast back. Like a roller coaster. It's fast. It's quick. It's you're you're just in, in a different world back in earth realm. And DMT is something that the body actually manufactures. It's in our brain. It's in our pineal gland. And it's secreted when we're born and it's secreted when we die. Yeah. So the body has receptors and actually manufactures its own DMT. So the body's very receptive to, say, plant forms of DMT like ayahuasca. So I remember when I started to feel I'm slipping into a different world, my immediate thought was I've been here before because there were elements of it that reminded me of the DMT experience I had 10 years ago. And here's, I'm going to try and describe this as best as I can, okay? I find myself in a kaleidoscopic, multicolored, technicolored, the, the kind of vivid colors I can't, the, the vividness and the brightness of these colors was purples pinks oranges blues greens mauves turquoise like it was like just colors just well there were colors and the thing that reminded me of my previous experience was dmt was i was in a garden of some kind so are these like plants are these shapes there are there are roots and tentacles and plants coming up from this garden growing there are these insectoid creatures these alien creatures, these mammalian, it was like insects. And I can't even describe. They like were a like, Dr. Seuss book. <laughs> no? Yes, maybe. I, I don't, <laughs> I, I, I can't describe these. They, they were alien insects, hairy, fluffy, cr- like things that don't exist on Earth. Okay. Like the Lorax. Way more. <laughs> yeah. But like crazier than that. Just, just. Stuff that is not of this planet. Doesn't that make you think that some of these authors like must have done these drugs? Like how else would they have come up with that? My frame on popular music and literature and art is completely different now. Mm. Completely. That's a whole nother conversation. A lot of drugs going on in the art world. A lot of drugs. 
I'm in this world that is this technicolor kaleidoscopic garden with insects and creatures, and there are fractal patterns and geometric shapes, and they keep changing, and everything starts getting faster and faster and faster and changing quicker. And are you seeing it as like a f- like almost like a flat surface, a television in front of you, or you're surrounded? No, I'm in by a world. It. I'm in a world. It's a and you're seeing your, world. it through your eyes. Not you're not just like seeing. Your, it's not an out of body experience. It's like as if you're physically there. Correct. Do you know that you're in the room, or do you actually feel like you were transported? So, I'll answer that question as best I can. As things are speeding up, and as the fractal patterns are changing, and the different creatures are running through, and I'm observing them, and the plants are coming and growing around me, and it's this geometric garden of creatures. It's a technicolor kaleidoscopic geometric garden of creatures. That's the best way I can describe this. I feel myself going deeper into the world, not like into the soil, but as it's speeding up and changing, I can feel as if my body is sinking into the floor. And I'm like, okay, just just go. I'm like, just go with it. You know, okay. So I, I feel... <laughs> Like I'm going deeper into this world and it's speeding up and changing quicker than I can comprehend. Like I'm trying to take it all in and I'm going with it and I'm trusting and I'm trusting. And then I have a moment where the thought comes in my head, you're not breathing. And I was totally immersed in this world completely, right? Like I felt like I was sinking into a different dimension. And the moment I had the thought, you're not breathing, I went, oh my God. And I took a breath. And I'm breathing and I'm still in this world. And now I'm getting really scared because I'm like, am I still here? Where am I? Where, where the fuck am I? Am I still here? Meaning am I in my body? What's breathing me? Was I even breathing that entire time? (laughs) Now I'm like, and I'm deep in this world and I'm like, oh my God. Like I, I, I'm, I literally felt like as I was, I felt like I was dying when I had the moment. Are you still breathing? Mm -hmm. Like this moment of like, am I, wait, am I dead? And I took a breath and I was like, (gasps) Okay, so are people, there's people in the room watching you? Like, if you stopped breathing, would someone notice? Yes. Would they notice in time to rehabilitate? I don't know. Rehabilitate? Is that the right word? I don't know. Resuscitate. Uh, Resuscitate, thank you. Yes, because there are enough people assisting the shaman walking around observing people that, yes, I, I do believe that's true. It reminds that the closest experience I have to that was when, when I was a teenager and I had edibles for the first time and i thought i was dying because i didn't know what was happening to my body and my brain mm-hmm. and i had friends there but they probably couldn't have i don't know it's so interesting like you experience that it's kind of like were you actually in danger or was you it just your brain thinks you're in danger i clearly wasn't in danger yeah because i'm here right but i, I mean what I, if you like i don't know like it was, anything could happen i well, suppose well it was being so immersed in this world that was a different whatever you want to call it different reality different dimension different octave of reality i was not i tell you right now i was not on earth reality i was somewhere else for sure and the moment that i became aware that my physical body wasn't breathing i stopped surrendering to going deeper into that world and got so scared because it was like, oh, you need to, are you alive? Are you dead? Like, are you, bre- are, dude, are you breathing? So I take a breath and I'm like, oh my God. And like, I'm just, I'm feeling like really woozy and not fully in my body. So I open my eyes thinking that, okay, just open your eyes, dude, take in the room, put your hands on the floor. So you knew it in that moment that you were like on ayahuasca. It's not like you forgot that you were on ayahuasca. Oh no, I was very aware. And I also okay. realized that like, as I took a breath and I sat up, I was still in my body but there were a few moments where i was like am i dead am i still in my body what is happening and you have no idea how long that period of time was it could have been a minute it could have been an hour no no clue interesting no clue okay i'm like okay dude just open your eyes make sure you're still here where where are you i open my eyes and the hallucinations do not go away okay so i'm wait how did you know your eyes were closed versus open like you could physically feel them opening up. Yes. Do you see the room or it's like you open your eyes and it's the same thing in front of you? Yeah. Which then I got super terrified because I opened my eyes and everything is fractal patterns, fractal bursts of light. Whereas like, like if I were to look at you, your face, mm-hmm. your face would be gone. Your body, the oh. shape of your body would be there, but you would be a milky 
fractal light show, like where your body was. And I start looking around and everything is like points of geometric light and these these dissolving like I can't make out detail of anything. But you knew that it was the room, but it just looked slightly different or it didn't way even look- different. But it, it still had the it still had the framework. I was aware. Of the I was okay. aware that I was in a house. But now I'm now I'm freaked out because it was like, oh, you just open your eyes and the trip will be over. Did oh. they tell you that, or you ima- you thought that that's I what I thought was- that. Oh, okay. And it was far from the truth. <laughs> and I got even more terrified because I was like, oh, you're not getting out of this. Uh-huh. It was like I want to get off the ride. I want to get off the ride. And she's yeah. like, she ayahuasca. It's a it's a feminine spirit. Is like. Mm-mm. You're not getting off the ride. I love you. You're not getting off the ride. So, and at this point, I'm touching my face, and it feels like my fingers are going through my skin. <laughs> and now I'm getting even more fucking scared because I literally look at my hand, and it looks like my hand is dissolving. And at this point, I'm like, "This is I." can't handle oh, what it what in the name of god is happening like i'm dissolving everyone's made out of points of light i'm my eyes are wide open and i'm hallucinating and i throw my hand up and they said if you need help throw your hand up oh the shaman comes over after about like i don't even know how, how long and what does the shaman look like he looks like jesus and even in that moment like as he came over i could not make out his facial features at all. I just saw the outline of like this dark, dark flowing hair and his thing. And he did like, he actually have dark flowing hair? Yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so but, in reality, he actually kind of resembled Jesus. Yes, correct. <laughs> yeah, wow. but even more so, like in the state I was in. And he's wearing white. Yeah. Well, yeah. Totally. I was just like, wow, this is intense. So he just comes over, and there are no words exchanged. He just puts his hand on my head and my heart, and he just breathes with me. Like in unison, like, and I'm looking at him. He has no face. He's just this opaque, melty being. And I'm just trying to breathe through it. And over the course of the night, two other people came over at points because I I tried to lay down. I did lay down. I was blasted back into the crazy flat fractal insectoid garden. and, and And I just, there were moments of surrender fear surrender fear surrender fear and throughout the night i i at moments would burst into violent uncontrollable tears for no inexplicable reason i did not throw up although as we got deeper into the journey um i had pretty massive diarrhea like in your pants no i was able to (laughs) i was able to compose myself enough to get to the bathroom but here's the interesting thing and i want to there okay but i Unfortunately, this is going to have to be a two-part episode because there's Great. so much deeper. We're going to go there's so the lessons. I want to just give you a five-minute heads up to you okay. and to the listener. So, listeners, we're going to stop on diarrhea for this podcast <laughs> and save the really juicy no, no, no. stuff for the next. one. I do want you to finish the diarrhea story. I I'm feel like that's to. a good point to end on. So, I'm <laughs> the cliffhanger I, is going to be your diarrhea. I. I didn't have any expectation of whether or not I was going to vomit or have diarrhea or whatever, right? And how close is the bathroom to you? Or um, there buckets? It's like- on the other, yeah. I had so I had a bucket. Yes, I had okay. a bucket in case of vomit. But the bathroom was um, a ten-second walk from where my my okay. nest was, like ten twenty feet. If there. if that, okay. yeah, it was like there was a wall next to the kitchen, and on the other side of that wall was the bathroom. Very Got easy. It. So I I I'm. I'm being held by the shaman. His there's a second shaman there who's female who's also facilitating who also came over and there I mean there are moments where I'm like I'm literally especially like as I'm feeling my body there was a point where it literally felt like my nose was going to fall off. Like parts of my body were dissolving. Like I could put my fingers through my face. And did you And so my grip on reality is it's almost not there. I don't know where I am. I don't know what's happening. My body feels like it's dissolving. Am I dying? What is happening? I mean, it's so much confusion because there's so many layers to what is happening that are way beyond what I experienced on LSD or DMT or mushrooms or any of the psychedelics I've done in the past. Like This is a different beast altogether, my experience of it. So as I'm emotionally processing, I'm crying. I'm shivering. I'm being held, 
literally, like, and just, you know, being loved. And there were moments where, and I'll get into this next episode, where I didn't even need to, to ask for help at certain points of the night. They just knew to come over. Wow. And that's... Wait, but finish the diarrhea story. So at a certain point, I'm, I'm just like, oh my, like, I could feel like, man, I really got to go. So I probably, over the course of the experience, full evening, probably went to the bathroom six to eight times. Not pee. Diarrhea. Diarrhea. Six to eight times. Now, when I was in there and it was like, oh, wow, an intense amount of release, like an intense, like when you've had uh, like a stomach bug or the mm -hmm. flu, whoever is listening can relate when you've had like a really bad stomach virus and it's like batting down the hatches, we're letting everything go. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> like <laughs> the damn, but like painful, like uncomfortable. Um, Not painful. Uh, but just the sheer amount, like it was, oh. it was to the point where I would have a release. I'd come back and then like 10 minutes later, I'd be like, oh, I got to go to the bathroom again. Fuck. So, so it was a lot like of going back and forth at a certain point of the night of back to the nest, back to the bathroom, back to the nest, back to the bathroom. And I was like, wow, I'm not even, and I mean, going, releasing your bowels six to eight times in a night is a lot. Well, it's like if you had a, a, um, a poisoning, a food poisoning, yeah, but that type of experience. Here's, yes, but here's the fascinating thing. Now, this is going to relate to our second half of this, where I'm going to talk a lot about childhood trauma and childhood healing and how healing the inner child and little Jason and a lot of old, old stuff came up. When I was in the bathroom and I was releasing and having this diarrhea, just get gross for a second, but it's related that the smell of it reminded me of medication I used to take as a child. Because I was a really sick kid. I had very, very bad bronchial and respiratory problems. I had severe asthma to the point where I, sometimes I needed to be rushed to the hospital because I stopped breathing. And they were controlling that asthma when I was really little with a lot of really hardcore drugs like corticosteroids, hardcore stuff. When I was defecating, it smelled like the drugs I took as a kid. And you hadn't smelled that smell since In you were a child? In decades. Wow. It was a trip, Whitney. Do you think that that was, again, that a real smell or like it, it was, was whatever? Yeah, interesting. It was real to me. And it was, I was thinking like, what am I releasing right now? Wow. Each time? Every time. And what, I mean, again, what came out of me was like. You could see it you was were like present enough to be able to see it? sludge. It was like. Different from the colonic? Similar. Similar, but but the. Do you smell. think it was related to the colonic and the fast, or the ayahuasca, or everything combined? I think all of it. I think all of it. But mm -hmm. I think I think the deeper layer of like, oh my god, that smells like the corticosteroids I took as a child. That is a trip, and it makes me wonder. You know how many things we've taken throughout the course of our life that are trapped in the mucoid plaque of our intestinal lining that. Perhaps there's a specific amount of ferocity or depth that we need to purge and get to those deeper layers. I mean, that, that's my interpretation of it is that through the colonic, through the dieta, and through the ayahuasca, I was releasing some ancient shit, literally ancient shit, decades old shit that might have been embedded in there. I don't know. That's my interpretation of it. Wow. It was fascinating. So again, I think this is probably a good time to, to wrap up this episode because the childhood healing is a whole giant part of what I want to relay and the messages and the wisdom that was relayed to me during the experience of love and acceptance and healing and enoughness and a lot. I mean, deep, deep spiritual heart healing happened. So this episode's all about the details and the experience. It's setting it up, but the real depth of what you're going to share is coming in the next episode. And we did not plan it this way. It is literally a matter of the time that we need to stop today so we're going to pause here and pick this up on a different day and stay tuned for that. That'll be the next episode. And we can include as much as possible in the show notes. So whatever we've discussed today, whatever we think about that might be related, perhaps an ayahuasca documentary, if you find feel that's useful, Jason will probably curate this. Maybe you'll, you'll even put in the list of items that you put in your nest because they might not just be handy for ayahuasca. They could be great for comfort and travel and all of that. So that'll all be at wellevator.com, W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com. And there'll also be a link to the next episode there. 
Wow, Jason, thanks for sharing. This is, I'm on the edge of my seat, literally. <laughs> and mm. I wish we didn't have to stop here, but it's just perfect. like we've been talking about, there's a reason we're stopping here. We can pause and everyone can digest what has been discussed here. And uh, I look forward to picking it up whenever we continue. Me too. Thanks for listening and getting out of your comfort zone with us today. For show notes and more high-performance resources to help you thrive, go to wellevator.com. That's W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com.